Well, good evening, friends. I hope you're well. I wanted to spend some time this evening reflecting for just a few moments on a story which I'm sure will be familiar to many of us. A few verses from Luke's Gospel, taken from chapter 8. And let me read them to you now. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. There are a couple of stories in the Gospels which take place on what is referred to by Luke as the lake. Uh, I think we can be fairly sure that what he's referring to is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, there are stories of the disciples fishing on the lake. There is also the story of Jesus walking on the water, which we find in Matthew 14, and which Denzel reflected on one evening very near the beginning of the lockdown. And I thought it might be worth thinking for a moment about the significance of this story and its setting. First of all, let me talk to you about something else. I want to take you back to Exeter. 26 years ago to when I first met my wife, Emma, and to the first year when we were going out. And at the end of an evening, I would always walk Emma back to her flat, and then I made my own way home. A walk of a mile or two through Exeter city centre, and then over the River X uh, to the west of the river to where I was staying. I made these walks late at night. And the route which I took led me along what was called Fourth Street, the bit of the journey home which always made me feel most uncomfortable. There was this horrible section of shops, all sorts of weird places selling the likes of uh, tarot cards, healing crystals, uh, places where you could get your fortune told, other quite unsavoury establishments, and it gave me the creeps walking along there. It wasn't so much that I felt physically unsafe. I never feared getting mugged. It was always more that I felt spiritually unsafe. It was a street which just had a horrible atmosphere. Now you may have had similar experiences in certain places. Even now, there might be certain places which make you uncomfortable. But I wanted to tell that story because I think it helps us to understand something of the atmosphere, the environment in which this story from Luke takes place. What you have to understand is that if you were a Jew in the first century, a place to go where you may well be most likely to feel shivers down your spine or, or the hairs standing up at the back of your neck was uh, the sea or a lake, water. The sea was regarded as a kind of murky, uh, shadowy place. In some ways it was seen as a place of untamed chaos, 
a place where God was still struggling to impose himself and assert his power. If you've ever read the book of Job, you might remember those vivid scenes which speak of God wrestling with the sea monster Leviathan. Some Jews believed that the souls of those who died at sea remained there. It's been said that sailing across the sea at night for those people might have been like you or I walking through a graveyard in the dark. You know, you're walking through and you might just feel a bit warm. Not sure I feel comfortable here. In fact, when you get to the end of the Bible and that wonderful description we read in Revelation 21 of the new heaven and the new earth, that explains the significance of one of the things we read about the new creation. There was no longer any sea, we're told in Revelation 21 and verse 1. This is actually a really significant detail. It's John's way of telling us that the disorder and the chaos of the old world has finally been defeated at last. You might want to keep all of that in mind uh, as we come back to Luke 8. Jesus and his disciples making the journey over to the other side of the lake and he's asleep in the boat while the storm begins to rise and they feel themselves getting more and more concerned and then he wakes up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. It's a remarkable story. How do we begin to apply this to our lives? Just two brief thoughts. I am struck here very forcefully by the vision we have of the one who I want to call Jesus, tamer of chaos. I mean, we live in such a chaotic world at the moment, especially as we all continue to face the challenges of living with COVID-19. Feels so hard to make any kind of plans as we wonder what restrictions we'll face at what time. Can, can we go to church? Can we send the kids to school? Can we visit our family and friends? And here, present to his disciples in the boat, present to us now, and, and also interceding before God, is our high priest. Here is Jesus, tamer of chaos, and he can speak to the wind and the waves, and he can speak into the chaos of our lives and bring order to it. He is bigger than COVID. He is bigger than Brexit. We need to keep looking to him and leaning on him, crying out to him to tame the chaos of our lives and our world. And secondly, I'm also struck by what he says to his disciples. They are anxious and frightened in the midst of the storm and I think that's understandable. Luke himself tells us they were in great danger. I have to be honest and admit that if I'd been a disciple in that boat feeling of being swamped, I think I would have been frustrated by the way that Jesus kept on sleeping through the storm. But then I realised that I need to accept the challenge which comes in his word to disciples. Where is your faith? And this is a passage which reminds me of another aspect of Jesus' character, which we see quite often in the Gospels, and it's hard to put into words, but maybe we could summarise it like this, that Jesus doesn't seem to get as bothered 
or perturbed by the things that often bother and perturb us. Certainly not as bothered or perturbed as certain people wanted him to be. And you know, when we're panicking and we're anxious, it can be disconcerting to us when other people don't panic. You know, as if we want to say to them, wake up, smell the coffee, deal with this, act with urgency. Jesus doesn't always respond in that way. He sleeps in the boat. When the storm rages, he waits for another two days to go and visit his dying friend Lazarus. He does not get het up about infringements of the law in the way his critics do. He uses humour when scribes and Pharisees are taking themselves ever so seriously. And I sometimes wonder if in doing these things, Jesus is showing us in human form that part of God's character which led him to rest on the seventh day. In short, a lot of the time Jesus seems more relaxed than we would expect him to be. And I have to say that the more I think about it, the more comfort I take from the Jesus who we see here. It makes me think that whatever form God's response is taking to COVID-19, he is not panicking. And it reminds me of the need I have to resist the temptation to panic as well. He's the tamer of chaos. He can speak to the wind and the waves. And when we struggle to keep things in proportion and perspective, he says to us, where is your fear? Let's pray. Loving God, we confess that all of us have had moments over the last six months where we've been like the disciples in the boat. We felt like we're being swamped and we've wondered why you're not responding more quickly. Please help us to keep on trusting. Please help us to keep looking to you to bring your order to our lives, to tame the chaos, the chaos of the virus, the chaos of our anxiety, the chaos of misunderstandings in our relationships. Please speak your word into all of these situations. Please bring us to the place where the storm has subsided and all is calm. Amen. God bless, friends. Bye for now, and uh, I look forward to sharing again with you soon.